Christina Bryan Fitzgibbons, a genetic and family investigator. And I'm Jody Klugman Rabb, a licensed marriage and family therapist and licensed professional clinical counselor. Welcome to Sex Lies and the Truth. Noah was raised knowing he was adopted, but didn't get all the details until late adolescence when he was given a blue suitcase with some basic information. Even with full disclosure, there were big things left out that, of course, a commercial DNA test helped reveal years later. Well, my name is Noah. I am 38 years old. From the longest back that I can remember, I've always known that I was uh, adopted. My adopted parents, you know, had a pretty tragic death of a child, you know, within days of the baby being born, uh, about three years before they adopted me. And then they got a call one day saying that we have a, you know, blonde haired, blue eyed baby. This doesn't happen that often. And it's, it's a boy, you know, are you ready? And they said, yeah. So I had about a month old. I was, I was adopted. Again, from the longest back I can remember, they told me I was adopted and we, you know, celebrated my birthday. And then from what they tell me, they always celebrated the day that they adopted me as well. So there was never any hidden facts or anything like that, you know, but then um, around the time I was 18, they kind of shared all of the information that they received when I was adopted. So it was a a, a small blue old school leather suitcase with a bunch of baby items and then paperwork. So there was information on that paperwork about my biological parents and, and some of their family history, but very vague. I always took it as, okay, that's, those are my nationalities, but it was never an interest of, for me to go out and search for anyone. I'm a firm believer of everything happens for a reason. By all accounts, Noah had a pretty good life, despite his parents divorcing when he was five years old. After that, things felt a little hectic, but still pretty normal. I have quite the unique family situation with two step-siblings and and a half-sister. Well, not biologically a half-sister, but uh, a half-sister from um, my adopted dad and and my stepmother there. Um, And then I was a single child with my mom forever, and she didn't get remarried until I was about 28 years old. So I kind of had the best of both worlds there. When it comes to the, the ancestry and the adoption side of things, Back in 2018, I started thinking of everything and, you know, I wanted to confirm some of the information as far as ethnicity um, and health is related for for my kids and and my family going forward so that we know that. So my wife and her best friend and her best friend's boyfriend got me the Ancestry DNA kit for my birthday and I was like, all right, let's do it. I submitted that and, and got it back and there was some contradicting information regarding the nationality from my adoption papers and what I got back from Ancestry. So that was interesting, but I didn't really get the health information because they they didn't really have it at that point. I kind of said, okay, I got what I wanted. That's it. And then about a year later, I had gotten a message on there from a woman saying, you know, hey, is this is telling me that, you know, we're a first or second cousin 
You know, what side of the family are you on? This is a pivotal moment in most MPE stories because when you innocently opt in to showing relatives on your account, you rarely expect the relatives to help inform you you are not who you thought you were. And by the way, neither are your parents. I responded and said, sorry, I'm adopted. I have no idea how to answer that question for you. Like any other person who has lived in the social media area, the first thing I did was I went and did some Facebook stalking on my end. And so I search her and it comes up, we have two mutual friends. And so I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And so I look at one and it's my second grade teacher, my favorite teacher in in all of elementary and high school. But, and then the other mutual friend was my uh, junior high, high school girlfriend. (laughs) So I'm like, this is super weird, right? The kind of synchronicities are super weird but not coincidental, according to Carl Jung and physicists who study the phenomenon of how things relate to each other in time and space. What was also strange, but not uncommon, was the lack of response once Noah pointed it out. New genetic family responses range wildly from extremely involved and engaged to frustratingly passive-aggressive and avoidant. While waiting for the new cousin to respond, Noah was celebrating Christmas with his parents. He was in his early 20s, and his parents were doing the snowbird thing from New York to Florida when information started to be shared more easily. So they were in Florida for a couple months, and pandemic started to build and build, and then they got home in March. But in between there, you know, my mom and I were were talking as we normally do, and I kind of told her about this woman who reached out to me. I think like any mother would be, she was at first kind of protective about the situation, but she said, it's interesting if if you ever decide you want to move forward with anything, just be sure to include me. And I said, of course, you know, I'd I'd want you and, and dad to be involved there. I reiterated to her, I was like, you know, I really don't don't have the interest, you know, if, if somebody ultimately comes and finds me, I think it would be cool to maybe talk about it. But I'm pretty happy with the life I have right now. Going into it in about May of 2020, my mom was supposed to come out. You know, we had all been quarantining for a while and it was my wife's birthday and, and leading up to Memorial Day. But then she just said, you know, I, I just don't feel comfortable coming out yet. Kind of last minute. And I thought she was being difficult and standoffish with me. But come to find out about a week later, she calls me and tells me that my stepdad had tested positive for COVID. She was 100% sure that she had t- she was positive as well, but she was awaiting her results. I was like, okay, crisis mode uh, goes into play here. And so I'm trying to stay in communication with them for the first couple of days there. And then all of a sudden, I didn't even know somebody, I think it was my uncle, calls me and tells me that they were both transported to the hospital via ambulance. Finally, I called the hospital, get a hold of everything. And for a couple of days there, I was able to, to communicate with, with my mom and, and talk to her. And then being her healthcare proxy, there was uh, an evening I got a call that kind of took a turn for the worse and they needed to put her on dialysis because her her kidneys and liver were failing, but I had missed the call. 
because it was about three o'clock in the morning and I woke up at six and I called back and they said it was too late that she had decided to go on a ventilator because of the, the trouble she was having breathing and everything. At that point, I wasn't unable to, to really communicate with her. In the early days of the pandemic, with illness spreading fast, prognosis couldn't keep up. Once Noah's parents tested positive, it was only 10 days later when his mother passed away. His stepfather fought the disease for a long time after, too. It did hit me pretty hard. You know, after that, going through all the, the grieving process, not being able to have a proper funeral at that point. Also, my stepfather is barely hanging on. He was intubated for almost three months, <laughs> is still kind of experiencing difficulties today, but is, is home and, you know, doing well, able to do things for himself. But we haven't been able to properly grieve together. I haven't been able to have the external support system that you normally would have. My dad and everybody else are down in Florida and I'm up in New York. So it's it's been difficult. But oddly, on, on July 4th, I received a an odd Facebook message from someone. She said she did ancestry and noticed that they had some common connections and a very high match percentage and that she was pretty sure she was my aunt. <laughs> Decided to respond and, and just, you know, nicely let her know of, of my situation right there, right then and there. Um, what I was going through with my mom and, and my stepdad at that point in time. And, you know, said, you know, at some point in time, I will read your message in full and, and, and respond, you know, in the right way. So I, I did do that. And, you know, she was able to give me some information that I was looking for from a, a health and, and ethnicity standpoint. But then also through looking on Facebook, I was able to you know, basically confirm who my biological father was. She confirmed it for me. In talking to her, she's telling me a little bit about family and, you know, that I have with him five siblings. But basically, I'm, I'm 38 years old. I have a sibling who is 43. I have a sibling who is 42. A sibling who is 41. A sibling who is 40 then myself at 38, and then a 31, 32-year-old sibling. I think there was two marriages there, and then my biological moms were in between. Remember that Noah's mom had asked to be included in the discovery and conversations about new information, but these conversations were now spanning the time she was hospitalized and newly deceased. As Noah was losing one parent, possibly both, he was gaining knowledge about his biological parents and siblings. Right. I'm like, I have siblings out there. And then, you know, I look at photos of, of my biological father and we're spitting images of each other. Little taller, little bigger. But when it comes to some of these these pictures, it's, it's pretty crazy. It was eerie at first to, to see that. And I've always been told by people that we saw somebody who looked just like you at the store and we went to approach you and it wasn't you. The interest was building there a little bit, but still trying to be cautious because A, I don't, I don't know these people, first of all. And second of all, I, I didn't want to add any more to, to my plate. I start thinking to myself that this was something that, you know, my mom did for me, right? 
when when she passed this was we didn't get the chance to communicate about any of this other than that initial conversation we didn't you know get to communicate much while she was in the hospital and i feel like that there's not a pandemic you you get the chance to sit there with with family members in the hospital and and talk about things and that you might not normally talk about during you know sunday dinner or anything like that so i thought that was like her last gift to me to give me that that validation of of who the, these people are. Kind of fast forward, maybe I think it was within a couple of weeks after all of this came about, my wife comes home and it was a Friday and I asked her, you know, you want to have a couple of drinks tonight? Just kind of relax. Everything's been a little crazy. And she goes, I, I wish I could, but I'm pregnant. I was completely blown away, mostly because our, our first two, we had some issues conceiving and first two were IVF babies and this one's not that's that's my mom that's that's the other gift that she sent fast forward to we have the, our new baby girl and and her name is Aniston Mary um, Mary being my mom's name stress comes in positive and negative shapes it's not always bad but it certainly was piling up and it wasn't done yet I guess Noah's mother was just not done dotting all the I's and crossing the T's in between all of this, the my biological father reaches out to me and, and kind of says, I heard you were looking for some some information. I'd be happy to to talk to you. This is my phone number if you want to call me or we could talk on here, basically. And then he sent me a picture of me as a baby from the hospital from the day I was born and said, I've carried this in my wallet since the day this the day you were born and, and never thought I would have the opportunity to to share this with you or show you. That made me feel a lot more open and, and comfortable to the situation, you know, that definitely thought and, and love into the situation and giving me up. They were always thinking, or he was always thinking of me at least. There's been some conversation back and forth here and there. He reached out on my birthday. I shared him a picture of, of my family and, and all of that. And he's a mechanic and he works on a racing team, dirt racing team, I believe it is. And the driver he works for is, is fairly successful. And he sent my son uh, a shirt for his the driver he works for and seems very interested in getting to know me at some point here, which is kind of cool. And, you know, I asked him to if, you know, hey, does does my biological mom know? Did you reach out to her at all? And he said that he he did reach out to her at one point. At that point, when I asked him, he had not heard back anything. And that was probably last fall where that kind of left off. And then fairly early this year, I started getting a little more interest there and finding more about her. Now, I did have her name, so I was able to kind of see her on, on Facebook and, and things like that. So I knew who who she was, what she looked like and everything. But again, be, knowing that she hadn't answered him at that point, I wanted to respect privacy because it was closed adoption. I don't want to, you know, cross any borders that I shouldn't. But as I got more interested, I, I ended up reaching out to her earlier this year. Noah told her he wanted to give it some time once he found out his biological father had reached out to her so she could get used to the fact that he knew of her now. But he was ready to get to know her now. When she responded, she explained she wasn't on the website often, but confirmed 
She is his biological mom. There's been an initial connection there as well. So far, there there hasn't been much talk there. She had told me that once my biological father had reached out, she she has another son, so I have another brother with her. But um, she had never gotten to explain the situation to him due to the pandemic and them not being able to see each other. She felt like she needed to be able to have that conversation in person. And it, and I totally get that. I would hate to have that conversation over the phone or something like that. So I, I don't know where that is right now. And I'm kind of just respecting that, that boundary. She has reached out on several occasions, just seeing how I'm doing and congratulations on the new baby. How's, how's her and mom feeling? And one of the most challenging parts of these journeys is the pace. Often, MPEs are anxious to learn as much as they can and get relationships underway to feel accepted and part of a larger family. And equally as often, biological family changes that with their own pacing needs because they have to adjust as well. You know, right now, it, it kind of seems like they're two fairly decent people that I'm, that I'm interested in, in meeting at some point. And I think one, one sibling has, has reached out originally. And when this started getting through the grapevine of the family, when when the aunt had reached out, we didn't talk much, but he seemed cool and interested with the fact that he had another brother, kind of all unfolding as the things progress here. On the biological father's side, the the document I was delivered with, (laughs) for lack of better terms, said I was of German and French-Canadian descent. I look like I could be German and of French descent. But when I had done the ancestry, the DNA summary came back and said that I was 44% English in Southeast England descent. There was 16% German in there, so that was there. And then everything else was kind of Ireland, Scotland, Scandinavian countries. Through the conversation with my biological aunt, I had asked about that. And I think it was. I'm not even going to try to identify it because I don't want to screw it up. But some somewhere through my biological grandparents' parents migrated from Europe through Canada. And so when they had come into New York, it was through Quebec, I believe, somehow. So that's where the French-Canadian misconception connection came from there. My biological mother, which I, I, I still haven't asked her about it, She did have the German in there and a little bit of English, but there is Italian as well, which really didn't show up on my my ancestry. Noah's resemblance to his biological father had an impact on him, but he grew up seeing some similarities to his adoptive father too, even embracing the ethnicities he was adopted into. Aspects of an identity that we take in from our families, including religion, culture, language, and other ethnically related dimensions are potent factors in the vertical identities that contribute to our overall sense of social and personal identity. And it's one of the important markers in the MPE journey. What have you been able to learn about yourself, your biological history and cultures, and who do you look like? So that's kind of what I'm, I'm a little curious about. You know, I was always open with friends about it. They didn't think anything of it, really. 
kind of the weird part though is if you look at pictures of of my adopted father in around ages 10 to 13 and and myself they're they're eerily similar <laughs> as an adult my dad's maybe 5'10 160 pounds <laughs> so there there's really no no resemblance there but no i i always embraced the family that i was adopted into from an ethnicity standpoint on my dad's side there wasn't anything really you know celebratory he lost both of his parents between ages 15 and 16 him and his four siblings you know everybody else is in ohio but my dad had had left ohio um, after going into the military and, and met my mom and they ended up settling you know where my mom had lived in in, U- in utica new york so but on my mom's side my biological grandparents were 100 percent lebanese and 100 percent syrian so i grew up in a very fun arabic culture you know roman catholic it was fun to grow up in that culture and kind of considered myself that because i was raised in that culture i had a lot of friends growing up that were were lebanese and you know we always would would go out to eat and do everything at all the cultural restaurants in the area so how does noah feel about all that he's discovered Given his adopted mother's request, she'd be part of it. He thinks she was. I think now that this has come about, I'm I'm very interested in in seeing it, and I think I think my mom would kind of want me to to kind of see it through. I want to to explore more about this other, you know, half of me, if if I want to call it that. the The cool thing is, I want to somehow be able to tell my kids this story and be able to. For, for my son, I think it's going to be pretty cool because if you, if you look at my, my adopted father's side of the family right now, I don't think there's anybody that will carry on that name. I think it's cool that me and my son are able to kind of create this whole new family tree that we could, you know, be all inclusive of all these different people, cultures, and experiences that are, are able to bring to it, kind of, kind of create our own new legacy with that with that name. We asked Noah to give advice to adoptees thinking of searching for biological family, given his own experience. The first thing that I would say is is if you're looking to search to, to, to be open and honest with, with your adopted parents because there's a reason that they're they were in the situation where where they needed to adopt you. And there's a lot of emotions and, and feelings that comes with that. That they may not know. So I, I feel like that's that's the first part is is to hopefully you have that relationship with with your adopted parents to to be able to discuss that openly first. I would say to you know take it at your your own pace. You are the person that should be guiding this scenario. If you're not comfortable meeting somebody in person or talking to them on the phone and you just want to talk to them via email or, or social media, do that. Take it as it comes to you and, and at your comfort level. Thanks to Noah for sharing his adoption journey and what the reunion experience has been. It can be different for everyone, but a universal feeling for MPEs is the feeling of wanting to know ourselves in all the forms that that takes on. Sex, Lies, and the Truth is written and produced by Jody Clubman-Rab and Christina Bryan Fitzgibbons. 
If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, you can contact us through our website at www.sexliesinthetruth.com. If you are a fan of Sex, Lies, and the Truth and want to support us, you can do that through Patreon. Patreon is a really cool platform where fans of shows like ours can pledge a small amount each month, even just a few dollars, to support the show. You can find us there at www.patreon.com forward slash sex, lies, and the truth.